0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. It is easy to pray, and as you pray, it becomes more about duty than devotion. It's easy to pray, and it can become more about the prayer list than it is about a prayer life. It's easy to have that happen. I I want a prayer life. I want a devotional life. I I don't want it to just be duty. I don't want it to be something that I'm checking off a box in the morning, like, yeah, I did my my quiet time. Yeah, I did my prayer time. I do a a couple of different readings. I'm doing the 40 days of prayer. I'm also, I do a thing with my, my good friend Michael. We do a thing by distance together where we read together and we comment and talk back and forth. About what we've read and we pray for each other and pray for you and um, and there's a you know there's a thing that comes up on my phone now that says hey you've done that so many days in a row don't miss today I don't want to do it just to satisfy my phone right I don't want to do it just to have a, a, a box checked somewhere where it's a duty or where it's just a prayer list I don't want that I want it to be deeper than that I want it to be more than that and it's easy to slip into a thing where it just becomes duty. And I have a feeling that some people probably have walked in here this morning, and if I were to ask you to describe your prayer life, you'd say, well, Brett, it's probably more leaning to the, to the prayer list and to the duty side than it is to the prayerful devotional side. And, and I'm not ba- banging on you for that. I'm just saying it's easy for life to kind of suck you into that. And I'm here this morning to try and shake you to wake you. And to get you to say, hey, that can't be. I don't, my prayer life has become something I don't want it to be. And that's got to change. Uh, so far in this series, we've talked about two other kinds of, of prayers. We talked about the tabernacle prayer. There were seven different stations in the tabernacle prayer. You know, you come into the outer court, and it's about Thanksgiving. You come to that, that uh, brazen altar, and it's about Jesus on the cross. And we, you know, we're, ta- we're thinking about, as we come to each one of those stations, kind of praying through what all those things mean, and you come to the laver where you wash, and it's about offering yourself to God. You come to the, the candlestick, and it's about the presence and the Holy Spirit of God, and you, you you know you you pray for the Holy Spirit to empower your life and work through you. And then you go to the other side. It's about the table of showbread where you you want the Word of God in your life, and you spend time with the Word of God. And then you come up to the altar of incense. This place where this aroma, uh, uh, this incense is coming off of it, and it's, it calls to mind that our worship is a, an offering to God. And one of the things I encourage you to do in your prayer life is just have this time where you're, you're worshiping. Where you just, it's all about giving to God. And then you come to the Ark of the Covenant, and that's about intercessory prayer. It's about praying for the people around you and, and their needs and what's going on. And if you've got stuff that you need to talk about with God, you talk about that. With him, the seven stations in the tabernacle prayer, I hope, I've heard back from some of you that you've just, you kind of latched onto that it's helped you. And I said last week, and I mean this, it has revolutionized the way I pray. When you've been a Christian as long as I have and you've been in ministry as long as I have, it takes a lot to revolutionize something in your life because I see it, I've seen it all, I've kind of done it all. It's you know, like I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Um, but when I discovered this tabernacle prayer thing, I was like, wow, that's going to help me. Now that's going to help me. And then last week we talked about the the prayer of Jabez. And and Jabez basically prayed for four things in his life. He prayed for blessing, he prayed for influence, he prayed for presence, and he prayed for protection. And all four of those things are really, really important when you pray. You need all of those things in your life. And we said last week, you don't want those things for you, you want those things because you're wanting to do a big thing for God. God, bless me so that when you bless me, I can turn around and do something for somebody else. This isn't about me. Um, you know, the, one of the best-selling Christian books of all time was Rick Warren's Purpose-Driven Life. And, and in that book, the very first line is, it's not about you. One of the best-selling books of all time. That's how it starts. It's not about you. And That's true when it comes to God. It's not about us. It's about what God wants and it's about doing a big thing for God So anytime we're asking for something, you know, we're gonna look at some passages in here and today That where where Jesus says if you'll ask me for anything an immature believer hears that and thinks to himself Well, if I can ask God for anything, I'm gonna ask him for a million dollars Yeah for you and guess what God's not gonna answer that right because it's for you when you when you see Jesus talk that way it's assuming and, you know, Didi gets on me about this all the time. She's like, Brett, you, you need to say it because you're assuming and they don't always get that. God is assuming when you pray like that, that you mean you want your, your purposes are lined up with his purposes. And listen, when you pray and your purposes line up with God's purposes, things happen in your life that you cannot explain. Things start happening in your life. The problem is too often... They're not aligned. We're praying one thing and God's way over here, and it's not aligned. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. So those are the two prayers that we've looked at so far. And, and you know, I think it's been instructive, and I think it's been helpful. And just based on your feedback, I think it's been helpful and instructive. I've had some really good conversations with you, and I, I appreciate that. It's nice to know when you teach somebody something, they leave and they go, wow, that, that's, that helps me. <laughs> you know, that, that's really cool. I like that. So today I want us to look at a prayer from the New Testament church Throughout the the times that the church came together in the New Testament they prayed and you can kind of see some patterns in those prayers Um, Let's let's you know begin today with the theme verse for this series. It comes out of Ephesians chapter 6 It says this. It says pray in the spirit in every situation. I want to know how to pray In every situation use every kind of of Prayer and request there is now. I don't know about you, but I want to know how to do that I want to know how to pray in every situation. I want to know how to use every kind of prayer there is I, I want to know I want to be a good prayer um, It's interesting that, that out of all the things that the disciples saw Jesus do and all the things that they heard him teach you know, they saw healings, they saw miracles, they saw Jesus feed more than 5,000 people at one time. <laughs> at different times they heard Jesus speak, they heard all kinds of great teachings come out of Jesus' mouth, but there was one question that they had for Jesus, and that question was, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? We, we've seen you do a lot of things. They didn't ask him, hey, show us how you did that 5,000 people thing. Show us how you did the five loaves and fishes thing we want to learn how to do that show us how you turn water into wine It's not what they asked lord show us teach us how to pray that's exactly what we're trying to figure out in this series lord teach me how to pray now i i was fortunate i grew up in a home with a woman who taught me how to pray we've talked about that in this this series I, i grew up in the home of a woman of god who who taught me to pray at a really young age, who didn't send me to church. She took me to church. She was there with me. I sat on the second row. We listened to my pastor every week. I watched my mother take notes. You know, I I can still quote things. There are things that I heard my pastor say when I was 14, 15, 8, 10, that I heard him say that I still remember, that I have quoted to you certain things that I say to you I got from LD Campbell because he taught me how to do that and so I grew up very fortunate very lucky in my life to have had someone who was willing to teach me how to pray and you know I gave my life to God when I was 10 years old but I I was praying way before that I've been praying for probably about 95 to 99 percent of my life I've been praying so I'm lucky I had somebody show me I had somebody infuse that into me somebody that that installed in me this this value of prayer brett don't forsake Your prayer life you are never more my mom you you never see further than when you are standing on your knees You are never a more powerful man Brett, than when you are standing on your knees and you're praying Those are the things that my mom has said to me So I'm lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones, but there's some people that Haven't been around prayer that much. There's some people and you might be one of them. You may have walked in here this morning and you and you know, it's like You know some people I think when they just walk into a church. It's like man. This just makes me uncomfortable You know, <laughs> like this is just weird I'm not used to this and and you think if somebody were to call on you to pray It would wig you out like you would just freak if somebody said hey, would you pray for us? No. Um, No pastor because you feel like you're not good enough or you feel like you don't do it the right way or you don't know how or you, you don't know how to line the words up. You, you think that, that maybe somebody else is more valuable to God than you, that he would listen to them more than he would listen to you because you've heard them pray and the way they line up their words and it's just so elegant and beautiful and you're like, oh boy, I mean, I, I don't even pray that much, but if I did, it wouldn't sound like that. I'm just here to tell you, that's not true. You're valuable to God. You're really, really valuable to God. God is nuts about you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him. But it could be that you've been around somebody and they prayed so eloquently and so elegant that it just seemed like they used all the right words and they were so spiritual and you thought to yourself, well, that's never going to be me. And I don't know that God's ever going to hear me, and I'm never going to be able to do that. So I'm probably not ever going to be able to get close to God. Not true. I want to show you a verse. This comes from James, fifth chapter. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, it's easy to read that. And Come away with one of two thoughts the first thought you might have on the one hand you would think to yourself Well, then my prayers are probably not not ever. I'm never gonna You know my prayers are not gonna be very powerful because I'm not a very Righteous man, and I'm not very, You know, I'm just never gonna have effective fervent prayers That's just not me Brett that doesn't describe me. I I, you know, I'm just my prayer life Probably not gonna ever be very good That's one way that you could read that and that's one way that it could make you feel Or you could read that and think to yourself, wait a minute, you mean to tell me there's a way that I could pray that would make my prayers effective and fervent? Well, show me how to, sign me up for that. I I want that. I want powerful prayers. I want to move beyond a prayer list. I want to move beyond the duty. I want to get to something that's more like a prayer life that is devotional. Here's what I want you to know. You are a candidate for that. That's not off-limits to you. That's not something that's out of reach for you What I'm talking about is a possibility for everybody in this room to get to a place where you when you sit down Or you get on your knees. I would encourage you to do that from time to time Whatever your posture is that when you get ready to say something to God that you feel very confident That God hears your prayers and that you can be someone whose prayers are effective and fervent and avail much. God wants you to communicate with Him. He wants to answer you. He wants to show Himself strong to you through your prayers. I think all of us want to pray effective, fervent prayers, don't we? I mean, I do. The definition of effective means to work, to have an intended purpose, or to have strong energy. Now, there are certain things in our life that we want to be effective, right? Like, I want my car to be effective. When I get in my car and I get ready to start my car, I want it to start. I don't want any messing around. I don't want to be sitting in a cold car and it's like, rear, rear, rear. I don't want that. I want an effective car. I want that thing to fire up. I want it to be faithful. I want it to be dependable. I want, that's what I want. I want my refrigerator to be dependable and effective. When I get in there, I don't want hot milk. Right, that's gross. I don't want my meat to spoil. I want I want things that are supposed to be kept cold I want those things to be kept cold. I want my my refrigerator to to be effective and fervent I want it to be to be good. I want my atm card to have some strong energy around it, right? Strong energy Like lord if you could make it have more money in there than i've even got that'd be great It's not going to happen, but we, we can dream but when we pull up To an ATM and we put that card in there. We want it to work, right? Because usually if you're taking money out of the ATM, you need the money. And you slide that in and it's like, okay, strong energy now. Give me some strong. (laughs) Come on. I want it to work. I I don't want the opposite. I don't want unreliable. I don't want it to be something where, where things have no energy in my life. I want them to be effective. James said there is an effective, fervent prayer that you and I can pray that will avail much and will cause wonderful things to happen in our life. Lord, help me to pray those kind of prayers. Teach me to pray so that I can pray faithful, effective, fervent prayers. When you look in the book of Acts, you see people praying and you see things happening. You see God showing up in the book of Acts. I want us to look at a a prayer today from Acts chapter 12, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it to, to Acts chapter 12. I know some, sometimes in these sermons I jump all over the place, but I'm gonna, we're going to camp a little bit in Acts chapter 12. I'd like it if you have your Bible, turn there. And I think this is going to be an instructive prayer time for us, okay? I think you're going to learn some things from what you see here. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some people, some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them okay so he means them harm the church is growing God's using it people are getting saved all kinds of people all across the city are coming to Jesus it's I mean there's a movement and the church is being persecuted because of this there are people that aren't happy Uh, some Jewish people aren't happy Uh, some especially some Jewish leaders aren't happy about what's taking place and the establishment wants to shut it down the establishment wants to do something about this movement That is gathering verse 2. He had James the brother of John put to death with the sword When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews he proceeded to seize Peter Also, so now Herod has put out a hit on Peter He has every intention of taking Peter is a major chess piece. Okay, he's like I I don't know if you how much you know about chess But there's certain pieces that are worth more than others and when you get to the rooks and the queens those are important pieces in a chess game. okay? And when you lose those, you, you're, you greatly limit your ability to overcome. It's not possible to win, but it's a lot harder. And you know, Herod's thinking, if I can get Peter off the board, then this gets way easier. So they're going to go after Peter. And, and I'm here to tell you that if we don't have Peter, if, if Herod kills Peter at this moment we're looking at, we likely don't have a church today. We likely don't have Christianity. That's how important, that's how pivotal Peter was to God's plan. Now I, I say that, I know better. God would have it, gotten it to us somehow. But I'm just trying to make the point that Peter was really, really important. And, and Herod knows this, and Herod's going to come after him. And so there's a hit that's been put out on Peter. You read the, ver- the second part of verse 3. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And then verse 4, after arresting him, so they did, they go get Peter. Take him off the street. He put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. So there are 16 guys. (laughs) That's that's what they thought of Peter. We're going to guard him with 16 dudes, okay? All around Peter. I mean, this guy's not getting away. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover, and what you're not told there is he really wants to kill him. And and Peter probably knows this. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Now that's an interesting word that gets used there. We don't use this word very much anymore. Uh, This word earnest, earnestly. Uh, Earnestly has this same Greek usage that we saw in James 5 a minute ago when we talked about fervent prayer. Right, earnest and fervent—they're kind of the same. Kind. They mean kind of the same thing. They were praying earnest prayers, faithful, fervent, effective prayers. They got together and they committed to pray until God broke through. That's what they were going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to stay on this. It's going to be fervent. It's going to be. It's going to be earnest. We, we mean it. We're going to. I mean, from our toenails, we're praying. Right? Like this is important to us, and we're not going to stop. We're not going to let up. We're going to pray for Peter. We're going to pray for his safety. We're going to pray for his life. We want Peter returned to us. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. So the bright lights didn't wake Peter up. They had to shake him to wake him. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. The chains fell off, okay? Mental note. The chains fell off. Listen to me. Prayer can break every chain in your life. Prayer can break every chain in your life. Lord, just make them fall off. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it just happens like that. But prayer can break every chain in your life. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Wrap the cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Like he thinks this is a dream or something. He's he's not, he's still not put it all together what's happening with him. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And then I want you to look at what it says. It opened for them by itself. Right. Come on. You know somebody's opening that gate not just doing it by itself and they went through it when they had walked the length of one street suddenly the angel left him then Peter came to himself and said now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen that is powerful effective fervent earnest prayer verse 12 when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They had prayed into the night. They were continuing to pray for Peter. This was an ongoing thing. They don't know all this has been happening. Verse 13, you, you think God doesn't have a sense of humor? You think God doesn't smile once in a while? You think God doesn't think things are funny? Just watch how this is worded, okay? Verse 13. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, "It's Peter!" She hears his voice. She didn't even open the door, and she runs away and she says, "Peter's here!" Then look what the Bible says next. This is in the Bible. You're out of your mind. Hey, Rhoda's crazy, right? She's lost her mind. There's something wrong with her. When she kept insisting that, that, that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Verse 16. But Peter kept knocking. <laughs> he's, still, he's still waiting on somebody to come let him in. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were shocked Peter had been rescued Thank God That our doubt Does not disqualify us from the deliverance of God in our life Thank God That my doubt does not disqualify me from his deliverance Thank God that that even though I don't always have the strongest faith when I pray that that doesn't discount these guys, they'd been praying, but they didn't have any, you know, he's actually outside, and they're like, nah, that's not Peter. I mean, that's all we've been praying about for the last three days, but that isn't Peter. Rhoda's crazy. There's something wrong with Rhoda. Sometimes I pray, and I'm all in, right? Sometimes I pray, and I have big faith, and I, I fully believe, I pray expecting God to do a big thing. I've been in hospitals with people who were not doing well, and I've gotten to my knees and prayed for them, and I'm all in on that. Like, God, I fully expect you to raise this person up, maybe not right this minute, but I expect this person to be raised up out of this bed, restored to life and health. And I I fully believe it. And I've actually been in hospitals where I didn't think the person I was praying over was going to make it out of the hospital, and I prayed over them. And they actually did make it out of the hospital. I've also come in and I've prayed over people that I didn't think were going to make it out. And they didn't. Okay? Sometimes it's, it's a God thing. It's what God wants. It's what, it, what is God's will. But there have been those times when I've prayed and it's, it's just I've been all in on it. And my faith was big. And I had prayed expecting something big to happen. And I have so much faith. But then there are other times that I have so little faith. I pray and I would be ashamed for you to hear how I pray. Like, God, you know, you probably won't, but I really wish you would. And I know I'm asking a lot. Sometimes I'm afraid to believe the best. Sometimes I'm afraid to believe that God is as powerful as he is Sometimes I'm afraid to pray in such a way that I expect God to do this magnificent wonderful thing Sometimes because I don't have enough faith um, I don't believe God is big enough. That's really what I'm saying I don't mean it that way, but that's kind of how I mean if I'm God God hears me pray sometime He's like yeah, you you really don't think much of me You're, You're really not very impressed by me brett Sometimes I don't have enough faith to believe that God can do the big thing. There's no way God's going to do that. So I think what I'm going to do is I won't pray for the big thing. I'm just going to back it down. I'm going to back it down to something a little more reasonable. Something, here's, this is what it is a lot of times. When we pray, we pray for things that we can explain, right? Like if I go explain this to somebody, I won't necessarily have to, I mean, it won't sound, I won't sound like a religious fanatic. I'll pray for a, a reasonable thing, and if that happens, that's reasonable. Most people would go, well, yeah, I can see how, you know, you, when you pray that prayer, it's, it, you might, it's a reasonable prayer to pray. But when you, when you step out and you're going to pray the big prayer, because if God answers that and you go tell somebody, yeah, I prayed for that, they're going to go, right. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you prayed for that, and God came through. Yeah, whoo. I think it scares us. I think we're afraid sometimes to just really ask God for a big thing, expect him to do a big thing, and then go tell people that God did a big thing. But here's the truth. God wants to over-bless us. He does. I would hate to think about the things that you wished would have happened in your life, That you didn't have enough faith to really ask him for, so you stopped short. I don't know about you, but as a parent, there were times that I had gifts for my kids that I was kind of saving back for them. I mean, they were going to get it eventually, but if they'd asked me for it, I would have done it right away, right? There have been times that when I remember one time specifically with Bennett, I was walking with him through the toy department. And he, we, you know, our kids kind of got the, they, they were like every other kid when we walked through the toy department. Oh, daddy, can I get the, Can I get it? Can I get it? But our kids kind of knew that we were there on a mission to get certain things. And when we went to the toy department, they kind of knew I was babysitting. <laughs> they kind of knew that's what I was doing. And they didn't really expect to walk out with anything. But there have been times that we've been looking at something, and I was thinking to myself, you know, if they really pressed me on that, I would probably walk out of here with that tonight. I'd probably let them have that. But they didn't press. And I was like, well, if they're not going to ask, and if it's okay with them for us to leave and us, and us not have that, we'll just get that another time. I'll just, you know, we'll just wait on that. And, and I, I think that that's kind of how God is. I think that there's times when God just like, you know, he's, he kind of leans in like, are, are you, is today the day? Is today the day that you're going to ask me for the big thing and you're really going to believe that I'm big enough to do the big thing? Is today the day? Because it brings him glory when he overblesses us. When he gives us things that we don't expect, it makes his name great. There's a great ending to this story. Peter comes in and and he motions with his hands, you know, like, shh. And then he begins to describe how the Lord has brought him out of this captivity, out of this prison. And then in the second part of verse 7, we read this. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Yeah, he did, because they want to kill him. And then we read this in verse 18. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what became of Peter. And I leave it out in the message this morning, but I'll just go ahead and tell you, it doesn't end well for the guards. They end up dying over this. They die because of this. Herod is so mad that he takes it out on these guards. I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to pray in such a way that that kind of stuff happens. I want to learn how to pray so that when you come to me and you say, Brett, this is what's going on. And sometimes you come to me and what you're telling me is heart-wrenching. Like, I, I, the hardest part of my job as a pastor is that things happen in your life that I am powerless to change. And my whole world is oriented to helping people. And then you come to me and you tell me your story and I'm standing there and I, I, have, no, I have no ability to affect any change in your world at all and I would give anything to be able to change what is going on in your world and make it better and I just can't and so the only thing that I can do which is what I love to do and I, I so I'll pray for you but I, I want to be a, a better prayer I want I want us to be I want to learn how to pray in such a way that it's fervent and it's effective and when I pray things like this happen that they they will bring freedom into my life and they will bring freedom into the lives of other people. I encounter people all the time that have all kinds of lacks of freedom in their life. They're bound up by different things. God teach me how to pray prayers that will break every chain that will open every door. Father, teach me how to pray prayers that will rescue broken people from their sin. I want to pray those kind of prayers. Maybe my prayers could be the catalyst, to be the release for somebody else in their life. Too often our doubt and disbelief stops us in the middle right before the breakthrough. You know, there's there's places that in the Old Testament, and, and there's a big long break between the Old Testament and the New Testament. <clears throat> And people were praying during that time there are you know people there are people in the Bible that prayed for 400 years for God to answer certain prayers 400 years we pray for four minutes if it hadn't happened. What's wrong? There is no God. He doesn't care about me Four minutes. I mean if we if it hadn't happened in four minutes, we're like, you know what? It's it's my we just expect everything because we got microwaves We just expect everything to be microwavable four minutes. These people prayed 400 years you say, Brad, I've been praying four years for this. Okay, that's not 400. Keep praying. Stay faithful. Stay at it. Sometimes you've got to pray through it. Sometimes you've got to pray through the doubt. Sometimes you've got to pray through negativity. Sometimes you've got to pray through the valley. You've got to pray through the bad experience. You've got to pray through the disbelief. Sometimes you just have to pray through whatever it is that is confronting your life. And too often we just stop. We don't pray through. At some point in your life, you're going to need to pray through something. You're going to need to pray without ceasing. You're going to need to pray through the pain. You're going to need to pray through the doubt. I, Brett, I don't even know if I believe. One of my favorite stories is about a pastor in Wairica, California. He'd been leading this church forever, and he finally came into a place where he went through a period of atheism. (laughs) He's getting up every week, and he's preaching, and he doesn't believe in God. And eventually one weekend, and this is a true story, one weekend he gets up in front of his church and he said, today will be my last Sunday because I don't believe in God and I can't preach to you anymore because I don't believe in God. And an old man stood up and put his arm around him and he said, you're not going anywhere, pastor, because we're going to pray for you till you believe in God again. And that's exactly what happened. They, they stuck with that dude, right? I mean, that, I love that. I love, they didn't give up, they prayed for him. They, did, they pressed through the doubt, they prayed through the doubt. We just we give up way too easy. We can all pray effective, fervent prayers. Get, get your hand out. I want to give you it real quick. I'm gonna give you five ingredients for effective, fervent prayer. The first one of those is pressure. You need pressure. That's an ingredient you need in your prayer life. Pressure Prompting pain That's an ingredient you need we we learn how to pray effective fervent prayers when there's pressure when there's a pain Psalm 18 verse 6 in my distress. I called out to the Lord in the middle of my pain In the middle of my stress, that's what got my attention. I cried to my God for help from his temple He heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Listen to me. God Hears your prayers, especially when you are feeling the pressure and you're feeling the pain He hears the cries of his people you and I and there is pressure or problem in life It just drives us to our knees. Let's just be honest. Nothing makes us pray Like problems Nothing gets our attention Quicker than a problem quicker than a pressure quicker than a pain of some kind now. I'm not asking for problems I don't none of us wants problems God, give me a problem today. No. No. Pressure causes me to look toward the Lord. It's just, I mean, that's just a fact in life. If my need will open up my prayer life, and if my need will drive me to my knees to to have God become a more important, bigger part of my life, then so be it. That's a big prayer to pray. That's a, that's a pretty faithful prayer to pray. God, if that's what you got to do to get a hold of me, if that's what you got to do to mature me, if that's what you got to do to teach me how to pray and make my prayers effective and fervent, if it takes pain, then God, then so be it. Most of us, we're not signing up for that. I, oh, oh, Brett, I ain't, I ain't signing up for that. You want to be an effective, faithful, fervent prayer? It's what it takes sometimes, pain. Could it be that the chaos that you're experiencing right now in school, in your marriage, at work, with your kids, you know, whatever things going on in your world, could it be that that chaos could be the very thing that becomes the catalyst to bring you into a place where you become the kind of prayer that you've always wanted to be? And if it is, thank God for the chaos. Second ingredient is passion. 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 Passion will carry you a long way. Sometimes it is the very thing we need to add. I want you to listen to Hebrews as it describes Jesus. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Lord, help me to pray with passion. Do you have passion? Do you come in here on Sunday morning with passion? Do you sing with passion? Do you pray with passion? Do you prepare yourself to walk through these doors and be met by God? Do you do any pre-cultivation work in your soul and in your life before you get to church? Or do you just kind of walk in, sit down, cross your arms, and look at Shelby like, okay, what you got? Right? Don't ever do that. Don't ever get caught walking in here crossing your arms like, okay, Shelby, fire it up. Let's go see what you got this morning. Then you leave and you go, Woo! she's good today. Do you come with passion? Are you cultivating the passion? Do you thirst for God? Do you want more? Do you pray prayers like, God, make me more mature. I want to be better. I want to be closer to you. I want to pray better. Sometimes the place where we might meet God is just one step beyond our comfort zone. There's a song that we used to sing not too long ago. Um, a song called Undignified. I will dance, I will sing, to be mad for my king, nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. This week in staff meeting, I did a a devotional thing, and at the end of it, we we talked. And I I was talking about God moments. You know, um, we, we have these moments where where there's moments, we live life, but then there are moments that we kind of eternalize. And I was asking the staff, give me an example from your life where you know, you've you kind of eternalized <clears throat> a moment, that it's something that you'll never forget, that you know, God's kind of like a part of, if you've ever seen somebody kind of in the middle of a moment fake taking a picture, that's kind of what they're saying, is I'm eternalizing this moment. And it came to Tracy, and Tracy started telling us about a time in staff meeting, or not in staff, in, on a mission trip, when he's in are in honduras i believe it was and one of our people on our team had a bad leg it was getting worse by the day and it was pretty painful and it was they were starting to get worried and they went to the pastor of the village <clears throat> they're out in this remote village there's only one pastor it's a female they went to this lady and they said hey she's really this is really becoming a problem could we get you to pray for her and tracy said she put this, our, our person on a bench on the front row there in the little makeshift-like chapel thing they had, and he said she started praying. And he said, it wasn't like the way we pray. He said it was, his words were, it was out there. And she prayed so fervently <clears throat> that she ends up on the ground with her arms around this woman's legs And she is just pouring herself out. And Tracy's like, you know, it it didn't look like anything the way I've ever prayed in my life. But he said, I'm telling you, God, you could tell God showed up. God was there. You could just feel it. And he said, the next day, she was much, much better. There was a healing. God showed up. There was a healing there. Now, we like our comfort. We like things to be lined up with our temperament, right? We want everything to kind of line up with the way we're kind of wired. Ben Rector is one of my favorite singers. If you're unfamiliar with his singing, you you might like Ben Rector. He sings a song called Note to Self. And the lyrics are, Note to self, clean the living room. Do the things you don't want to do. Maybe fold that weak old pile of clothes. Note to self, get some exercise. It feels bad, but you have to try. But as far as I can tell, that's how life goes. Isn't that true? Didn't your parents teach you that? Anything worth having, you're going to have to work for. Anything that's really of any value, you don't come by it easily. You had to, you had to sweat and slave. Anything, if you've got a great marriage, you don't just by accident have a great marriage. You've worked at having a great marriage. If you have a good job, it's because you get up every day and you go to work and you work hard. If you've got great kids, it's because you have intentionally spun the wheel on on having great kids, right? You got the flywheel going, and you just kept spinning that wheel, and you kept doing the things that would help you to raise great kids. And some of you have done all that spinning and done it all the right way, and maybe your kids didn't turn out exactly the way you wanted them to, and it's not always your fault. But what I'm saying is, anything you've got that's worth anything, you, you had to put some time in. Your parents were right. The good stuff, the stuff worth having, you're going to have to work for. The good stuff is always just beyond your comfort. Great shape is just beyond your comfort. Great financial health is just beyond your comfort. A great marriage is usually just beyond your comfort. You're going to have to work at it. Great kids, great parenting, great anything is just beyond your comfort. Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone and go, you know what, I'm going to to step out here. Take the passion challenge and get out of your comfort zone because that just may be where where God meets you in a big moment, in a big way. Lord, help me to pray with passion. Number three, third ingredient for effective, fervent prayer is persistence. I uh, I have a little cartoon saved to my phone and um, I send my kids, my kids are grown now, And once in a while, I will send them a group text because so I'm still trying to mature them, and teach them, and grow them up, right? And I'll send them a text, and it'll start "dad advice." To which I know when they open that, it's like, oh gee, here we go. I'm like, come on, dad, really? I-, I think they just they humor me, and usually they laugh at me, but that's okay. I'm still going to send them. <laughs> I sent this one one time. Dad advice. And I didn't have to say anything. That says it all, right? One guy, he's been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. He almost gets there. He throws his hands up. He throws his pickaxe to the side, and he just kind of, he's sauntering off. Like, daggone it. He's all discouraged. He's disappointed. He quit just a little too soon. The question is, is that other guy going to press through? Is he going to get to the gyms, or is he going to stop like that guy did, just short? Of the payoff Lord help me not to give up help me to keep praying when I don't see the answer I want help me to knock your door down give me persistence don't let me give up you ever prayed for something and it just got worse you ever prayed for one of your kids and they 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 acted more like the devil you know and you're like I'm gonna quit praying for him I mean don't do that just be persistent keep praying God called Jonah to do something. Jonah didn't want to do it. He runs in the other direction. You should never run from God. He runs from the other direction. Then he compounds his problem by getting on a boat. They get out on the boat. They get on the sea. The sea gets crazy. There's a huge storm comes up. They figure out Jonah's the reason for the storm. They throw Jonah overboard. You know the story. Fish comes, swallows Jonah up, and and he's he's down there three days. And this is what we read in Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now, even in the middle of pain, in the middle of disobedience, in the middle of things not going right in my life, I keep praying. Pray through it. No matter how it's going, no matter how my kids are responding, no matter what's going on at work, what my finances look like, pray through it. Keep praying Because even if the earth were to swallow me up, God, I'm going to keep praying to you. I'm going to keep believing. I'm I'm not going to give up. Persistence. Stay with it. Number four, it happens in partnership with others. Matthew 18, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It's a powerful agreement the power and agreement this is why small groups life groups are so important at Cross Lane right now we are signing people up for life groups if you want to be in a life group now's the time to do that I, I can't urge you strongly enough to get involved in life groups it's probably the most important thing we do for the people inside the walls of our church is to plug you in with somebody else right to have you be a part of something bigger than you and to pray for it and and pray for you There's no more effective prayer than a biblical prayer, one that might be prayed in agreement. That's where freedom is found. Last ingredient is this. It's the most important ingredient. Effective, faithful, fervent prayer is focused on the person of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we pray. No other name on heaven or earth. Father, I pray this. In the name of Jesus, I pray in the authority and in the power and in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So we're not just praying in any old name. We're not praying in the name of Gandalf, we're not praying in the name of Obi Wan Kenobi or Superman or Batman. We're not praying in the name of the Wizard of Oz. We're praying in the name that's different. We pray in the name of Jesus, for it is in the name of Jesus that I pray. People are healed, chains fall off, addictions dissipate people come to Christ relationships are reconciled it's in the name of Jesus where people get rescued and saved it's in the power of the name of Jesus where there is healing something in his name the name of Jesus is a beautiful name because it becomes whatever I need it to be if I'm sick it becomes healing if I sin it becomes forgiveness. If I'm in the dark, it becomes light. If I'm in prison, it opens the doors. There's something beautiful about the name of Jesus. There is no more powerful name in all the world. There is no rival. There is no equal. There is no rival. There is no equal. There is beauty in the name of Jesus.